Long Greif, I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the show. Before we go into it, give the audience a little bit of a snapshot as to what you do now. Sure. I am the founder of Portfolio Rocket. It is a career consultancy that works with C-suite and executives to show them how to get found in the marketplace and reverse the process of them chasing down those jobs and playing the wait and see game. So there is a lot of opportunity to find what is in the hidden job market and also in many cases to craft an opportunity whereby you can deliver on your mission and your purpose and be well compensated. So those two things do not have to be mutually exclusive. That's amazing. Let's touch on that before we go into your journey. So is it is it a personal branding thing? Is, is it kind of a positioning thing? What, what does that mean? It's actually bigger than that. It's the an end-to-end process that takes you through the very beginning of why do you do this in the first place? Yeah. Why are you even in this industry, this field? Right. Why? Why? What is your why? Mm. And a lot of tactics and strategies for how to understand the marketplace as it is today. What happens is most people are in jobs for periods of time, five, seven, 10, 12 years. Yeah. And they go back and do the prehistoric thing, which is all that they know and start hunting down open positions and most of the time are met with huge levels of disappointment. Yes. And they find out real fast that even if they have the qualifications, that doesn't turn into necessarily a job that they want or a career move that is important to them. That that really resonates with me. I mean, I'm an NED, so I go into my clients and they want me to make them grow. But before I even do that, I do ask them why. And I, and I firmly believe, whether it's a business owner or an individual, there's a lot of people and businesses that exist and they don't really know why. They're going through the motions, they're day-to-day transactional stuff. And I think i quite like to delve deeper as to some of the answers you got when you asked why. And have you ever sort of led someone to believe that actually their why is completely wrong, they've changed tack, all that kind of stuff? I think it's just really important, all this kind of stuff, right? Exactly. And why isn't, I've been doing this 20 years. Why isn't, uh, oh, I have this SVP title. That is not your why. That is mm-hmm. a that is a generic term or placeholder for so many more things. I will share with you that my why, because I, I live this every minute of my day, is to replace the dreaded job search process. Mm-hmm. I'm, going, I'm eradicating what has been understood as the grind, or sometimes I hear my clients say things like, oh no, this is like going through a root canal. And so I want to replace that with something that's fun, simple, and scalable so that that methodology drives you to your end point, which Mm -hmm. is energizing, rewarding, and playful. Don't believe that you have to, you know, clock it in or you know, do any of that. Okay. It's exhausting. It is. Happen. It can happen. It can happen. I have over 260 clients who are living, breathing evidence of mm. all of that. 
let's delve in, into that a bit later on. I'm, I'm very keen to sort of delve into that because it's that's a purpose thing, I think, as well. But we have been kind of friends on LinkedIn. Certainly, you. I remember sort of a couple of years ago, you commenting a lot on my posts, and uh, I noticed you, and we kind of became friends. Then we didn't really speak, but more recently, we've we've reconnected again. And I've always admired you from afar, and I've always admired your kind of your real authenticity. And I know. I know that some of the stuff you've gone through is is has been very challenging. So, like I asked all my de- guests, I'm intrigued by you. I want to know the real you. I want I want to know, as, as does the audience, a bit more about you as a person. So, why don't you walk us through your journey since school sure. to now? Absolutely. And I want to keep this brief because I want to be mindful of your listeners and get to the get to the part that really matters. So I think that when you're learning about somebody, you're going to get the high points. And the piece that I want you to take away with respect to me is that I'm probably like pretty high up there on the resiliency level. Mm -hmm. I have learned over the course of time. And I think that for most people, as they get to a more mature phase of their, their life and their career, they've had some hard knocks. And that's really where not only the growth is, but that really is the character building that makes you who you are. And so you have choices. We all talk about that. Oh, you have choices. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. You can learn to find good in in crappy times. And I've had a lot of them. I've had a lot of them and I'm, I'm not bitter about it at all. In fact, I'm grateful. I know that sounds kind of cheesy. Oh, I'm so grateful, but I feel very grateful for what has happened because it has really given me a lot of spiritual sandpaper. That's what I refer to it as spiritual sandpaper. That's polished me up Mm. across so many different areas. I grew up in a very, very strict household. My dad was a Harvard business school professor, high, high expectations. Uh, I never really quote unquote measured up to some of those academic levels. And I always kind of felt like I needed to compensate for that. And so, of course, I got into a the business of people pleasing, which um, also can be very exhausting mm-hmm. and got married at a pretty early, early age. I was about 25 when I got married. Yeah. And really to be completely transparent, the real me, I signed up for that marriage because I was looking for somebody who would take me not for somebody who would love me, somebody who would take these damaged goods. Right. So you felt you felt as if um, oh, if someone so would say yes, someone, someone would say yes to you. That's that's almost a, a tick in the box for you, right? Oh yeah. It was more about who would who would be willing. Wow. To, to spend some time with me, not oh my goodness, you'd be so lucky to go and hang out with me for the next 50, 60, 70 years. Where did that stem from though? What was it what obviously happened before you were 25? Have you got any sort of moment where you, you started to sort of feel a bit different or inferior or I think I started to feel inferior academically. I know that I wasn't bringing home all A's. I felt inferior because I was a woman in a very male dominated household and right. I was tasked with doing things that my brothers were not. I was said to have all the opportunities, but when push came to shove, it was like, well, the boys do this and the boys do that. And it was Mm. like, okay, well, what am I? 
Mm. You know, I'm not a boy. And so I like, why aren't I getting those same kind of allowances in terms of uh, cutting the slack? Yeah. I also think it just came from just a, a layering of low self-esteem and I'm not necessarily sure how it started to compile, but yeah, the time I got to, to, to that marriage, that's what I brought with me. Mm. I didn't really have a lot to offer because I was so busy in the production of people pleasing that I was just spinning and spinning and spinning and trying to, you know, make this person happy over here and make this person happy over here. And mm. that, um, you know, fortunately came to a, a crescendo and I realized, you know what? Like I'm okay. Like I started to advance very quickly in my career. Yeah. I was really involved with a lot of the things that I knew were somewhat unique to me. People were constantly wanting to be around my energy. Yeah. And that was really very reassuring. I started to loosen up a little bit and not realize, take myself so seriously and laugh at myself. I um, always had the ability to have a sense of style and use my creativity in many, many ways. And that was a big confidence booster for me. Mm. And athletically, I was always somebody who was using some kind of yoga or running or some physical yeah. activity that helped me to, to impart a level of dignity to myself. Just going back to the male-dominated household then, um, how many brothers did you have? And what was your mum like? Was your mum subservient to your father? Yes, I have two brothers. I'm the eldest. And my mom uh, has always been very much like an incredible, incredibly strong woman. Mm. And the influence has been primarily dominated by my dad. Right. So when my dad wants to do something, somehow it gets done. Mm. When my mom wants to do something, it's not necessarily as turnkey. Let, let, let's talk about the impact that's had on you in your relationships because, yeah, you go for that. Sure. I think initially that impact, uh, I drank that Kool-Aid. I mean, I literally drank it. It's all I knew. It tasted yeah. delicious. <laughs> all I had to do was please this person yeah. and make sure that if I was doing something that was annoying them, that I would, the, the, the responsibility right. was on me to change. Sure. For me sure. to do that. And I'm not saying that it's still not a partial responsibility because, of course, you can only change yourself. Mm. So miserable with somebody else to a certain degree you got to get right with your your own level of accountability yeah but at the same time i started to break away from that those enmeshments that were keeping me in a very small small place yeah do, do, do you um or did you ever resent your father for that and my view is that you know, the patriarchy, how we've been indoctrinated, men should do this and women should do that. I mean, it sounds as if they and you were a little bit of a victim of society and the structure and the conformity. Notwithstanding that, I still feel that you don't have, as a parent, you still don't have to do that either. So what are your thoughts on that? So, 
you know, my dad's 86 years old now. He's yeah. 87. He's been dealing with his own struggles as his later years come about, you sure. know, health sure. issues. And I want to say that the, the resentments that I've had are very real and I could, you know, go on and on and on about those. Mm. But at the same time, I do believe that so much of this has been generational. Yes. So much of this is really a byproduct of the fact that he doesn't know any different. Mm. I, don't, I don't necessarily blame him anymore. Mm. I've just come to a level of peace and acceptance is that yeah. that's all he knew. Yeah. And so that's all he did. I choose to do something different. I I have boys, so it becomes a different opportunity for me. See, this, this is this is a real touch point for me. Um, you see me on LinkedIn. I, I'm, I, I do lots of leadership stuff, lots of recruitment stuff, like you, career stuff, but I also do lots of mental health and well-being. And you know, lately there's been a lot of narrative on equity and equality. And you know that I've done the women's directory, which we can we can which sure. we can talk about, but this might sound controversial. I, I I believe that in the round, generally, everything's pretty equal. I obviously know there's there's lots of inequality and uh, injustices for women and men as well. But what what's your take on that? I mean, I've I mean things like parental alienation, you know, financial abuse, coercive control, physical abuse, all that kind of stuff. What is my take on all of that? I mean, this is loaded. This is a loaded question and a loaded topic mm. because especially in light of the overturn here in the United States of Roe v. Wade sure. and the impact that it's had on women, reproductive rights, the power to choose, so many health issues. I recently did a live and, you know, really it, it, the, the end, the, the end point to that is oppression. I mm. think that there's a lot of duplicitous conversations and lack of action around what it really means to be an equal as a woman in the world. Mm. And we see how strong women are. I mean, women to me are like the backbone of the world sure. because they figure things out. They don't whine and cry about it. They can juggle a million things well and effectively. Yeah. And they're human and they're not the people that are putting on the big ego and saying, oh, this is so easy. They're like, this sucks. Yeah. But they make it through and they also are tremendous community builders, mm. tremendous community builders. And they are in a virtual sisterhood from one woman to another. I think sure. long gone are the days when I was, you know, entering the workforce in the eighties where women were backstabbers. Mm. And I, I do believe that women love to lift up other women. I know, mm. I know that, that has been um, yep. a, powerful powerful thread that has shown up for me on linkedin mm -hmm. in other networking groups like chief that i'm a part of and yeah. has been a godsend and no one does this alone and i think that unlike men women are are very comfortable saying 
if it weren't for blah blah blah, yes, be here. What's what's the what's the biggest thing that pisses you off, or with men, or another question of the same thing? What can men do more of to help women? Do you think? I think that the quick answer is a lot of emotional intelligence. Yes, <laughs> right to really. I find that women are so you're never going to find a man who thinks like a woman. Like I get that. And you're probably not going to find a woman who thinks like a man, mm. but there's a, but there is a middle ground. And so I've studied, you know, the love languages. I try to assess, is this person analytical? Is this person in their feeling state? So trying to kind of assess yeah. from interactions okay, what is the motivator or what is the connection yeah. that that lights them up? What's their currency so well, that I can meet them where they are? So you, you, you mentioned that men and women uh, think differently. I'm interested in what you said there. Ex expand on that. I think uh, most women are more inclined to be inclusive and to be building a tribe of folks around them sure. whereby it's not necessarily predicated on ego. Yeah. It's more of the collective. Yeah. I, my, and I'm not saying this everyone every day and on yeah, all yeah. Okay. that's not that I don't want to be, you know, invested in a stereotype. No, but what I do want to say is from the standpoint of a man, I often think that it comes from what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. How can I benefit? How can I gain? Mm -hmm. Where can I navigate? Um, so there right. is a little bit of a, a, a attacking. And I think that one of the things that you're doing specifically, which is why we reconnected, was yeah. I was awestruck by your interest in promoting the women on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. celebrating them and using that as a, I mean, nobody's done that before. Yeah. Nobody's done that before. So you you found an opportunity, yeah, and you're using it as a way to elevate, yeah, voices that may not have been seen or heard. I think that's right. I think I think one of the biggest that there's many, but one of the biggest disadvantages women have, I think, is in the workplace, is in is in pay, work pay, and opportunity. So that was the main reason why that directory was born. And so, and as you just type, as you just highlighted, you know, women do tend to to get together and promote each other so it was, it was just to build that community and, and showcase people but um when you said that men sometimes are out for themselves and I, th I think could that not be targeted at women as well in particular when children are involved and financial stuff involved i know i believe with your situation are you, are you going through some sort of similar kind of stuff with your children um, I, I mean, it's the, the, and my children are now no right. men, right. So okay. 28, 25. So I, I, what I'm going through with my children right now is more of an aftermath of what happened in some of the earlier phases oh. of, of their upbringing. Okay. But what I would say is, yes, of course, this is not to say women can't be self-serving and women can't be selfish and women can't be all about them. I, I'm guilty of that all the time. You know, mm. I, 
like, well, I can't do this because, you know, I'm, I have a work afternoon or I'm going for a workout or something like that. Yeah. I don't necessarily, I think that we all have a responsibility to take care of ourselves so we can show yeah. up better for others. So I think that there's a fine line between, you know, constantly making it about me, 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 what I want, how I can gain and any of that versus, you know, I, this is, this is important to me and I'm going to, I'm going to honor it. Mm, absolutely. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, you obviously got married at 25. You touched on that, which is, you know, a young age to get married. Talk to us about that journey, if you don't mind. So, you know, I, I got married at that time. It really wasn't that young. It was, it was, I mean, I had seen a lot of my friends get married a lot earlier. Yeah. And I had known him for considerable period of time, known for about five years. I mean, mostly I, I take the responsibility because mostly I didn't I didn't want to see what was right in front of me. And so we got married and both of us had very high powered jobs. We were living in New York City. We were kind of like the power couple. You know, you're the partner at the law firm and I'm the VP at the advertising firm and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And over a period of time, we became more like roommates than like life partners. Sure, sure. And, and I, you know, called it out. I said, like, have you noticed we are more like roommates mm. passing in the night mm. than we are collaborative as, you know, romantic and or life partners. Mm. And so we did, we, we went through some, some challenges. And in the meantime, of course I had a baby and, um, and that became an amazing opportunity. Cause I always, 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 always wanted to be a mom sure. so badly. And I knew that that was going to be so important to me and love kids always have loved kids. Mm. And so that, became a focal point. And then we left New York and we left New York because we wanted to not only have a different kind of lifestyle with a child, but also because there was no way that we could sustain that kind of roommate situation yeah. without, without having a, a different kind of environment. Mm. We left New York and I sat down, I sat down a, 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 an expectation. I said, if we leave New York mm. and make this huge move, we're not going to go back and repeat the same thing that we've already done. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, you know, I, I want to like get some buy-in here. Are you going to be home before 10 o'clock? Yeah, are sure. you going to, to do some things that are different? Because otherwise we may as well just stay here. And, you know, from my from my experience, that didn't happen. Sure. And it became a very repetitive, more of the same, the same of what we had there. Mm. And we're still living like roommates. And by this point, I have two kids. I have two yeah. boys. Wow. And so I made it clear that I I wasn't I wasn't interested. This was the first time in my life that I actually advocated for myself. Wow. This no longer works for me. Sure. This no longer is something that I want to participate in because mm. I don't have any more bandwidth to keep this relationship on life support. So I how, how old were you then when you started to sort of stand up for yourself almost, right? Yeah, that was, that was in my, um, 
that was by now, uh, I was in my mid 30s. So sort of 35 years to kind of finally find a voice and go, finally find my voice and say, you know what? And I made an agreement with myself. I actually remember the moment where I made it. I don't remember exactly where I was, but I remember having that moment of clarity. And I said, if you make this decision, no matter what happens after this, you have to do it without any regrets. Mm. So if you decide to go ahead with this, do not start second guessing yourself. Mm -hmm. And I believe that for so many people, whether it's divorce or whether it's leaving a specific job or maybe making a geographic move, that to me is the biggest gift you can get. Sure. That you are, you, you have a moment of clarity where you're like, dang, yeah, this is just the this just really, I am willing to take this risk and I'm good with it. And that's when the magic happens. That's when you start to get the self belief. And that's when you start to kind of, once you start believing in yourself, it sort of cascades and it can, and everything else kind of comes, isn't it? I completely agree. That cascading effect. I mean, it was painful because it was a very, very unpopular decision. Yeah. And many, many people in my family and friends tried to talk me out of it. Wow. And said, you know, you're making a huge mistake. See, what, what I think here is I think you, you always had that in you because you talked about, I think you talked about um, the creativity you had when you was really young, but it was suppressed. The environment you're in with your family and with your husband, probably not him specifically, maybe, but the way it was, you've always been suppressed. And I always, I, I feel that human beings, we often only utilize 10, 15, 20% of our power because of the way we've been conformed, managed, parented, loved, all that kind of stuff. And it's, and I just, I just feel from a very, we're all born, we're all geniuses, all born with gifts, but it's the environment and the people that we're, that we're with. Sure. So I went through with it, knowing that it was not just unpopular, but that it was also going to be to come with some pretty serious consequences i knew that this wasn't going to go down easily Mm. regardless of what was promised i knew it wasn't going to be like okay let's do this amicably let's make friends let's like it was i i i had that in my gut and it proved to be right and it got ugly it got really ugly um and i and i still as difficult as it's been I still have no regrets because it's brought me through this today. And I am. You made a contract with yourself, basically, didn't you? What's what's that? You talked about spiritual sandpaper. Talk to us about your spirituality. How's that? How's that evolved? So I love this term, spiritual sandpaper. Uh, It came to me through another friend of mine. I, I'm not religious by any stretch. Uh, I'm born Jewish, but I'm not like a practicing Jew. I am a very spiritual person. And when I say that, what I rely on is a a lot of quiet time and, and, and belief that there's something bigger and better than me. There's something out there. Some people call it God. Some people call it, you know, divine intervention, whatever that is. And as challenging as it is, because life gets loud and it gets noisy is that quiet time for me, whether it's on a walk, whether it's in meditation, whether it's journaling, 
helps me to listen to that frequency so that I am not knocked around in all these different directions and, and without my own footing. Mm -hmm. And so spirituality to me is also living by example. I don't, I don't, I cannot, anything that I say or do, whether it's to my clients or my friends, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm doing that too. So if I'm saying to a client, go out and network more, chances are like I have three calls scheduled for later on. So I'm very much about, about being in alignment. Yes. What I consider to be, you know, good living, right living uh, and being an example of hope and authenticity Mm -hmm. and empathy in the world. I don't Mm want to, loot the world yeah, yeah. or my interactions, certainly not my relationships with things that are out of alignment with the person. I, I can really feel uh, your integrity, your passion and your desire to do as you say and how you, and how you feel. If it's in your gut and it's real and you're not hurting anybody, you'll, you'll tell the truth and you stand by that, which is really good. I want to talk about that, but also and I want to talk about kind of, adversity and darkness and any kind of what's been your darkest moment talk to us about that kind of stuff i've had a lot of dark moments uh and and they're kind of like the unexpected dark moments because you know i've been through cancer i had colon cancer i told you about that like that was not a dark moment for me like people are like oh my god you were diagnosed oh my god that was not a dark moment for me uh my divorce not a dark moment for me the darkest moment for me was and 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 still continues to be dark is that even though I had a piece of paper from the law that said that I was, you know, still a joint parent, mm-hmm. in truth, the darkest moment for me was when my kids decided they didn't want anything to do with me. Wow. And the alienation that happened from them living with their father and staying in that camp mm. for an extended period of time. Wow. More than, t- more than 10 years. And, and showing up as a person in that community and feeling not just less than, feeling judged and bullied and mocked. And Mm. that, that was, that was hard. That was really hard. And for a long, 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 long time, I bought that. Sure. I believed it. Yes. I ate it. I drank it. I breathed it. And I was convinced that I was that person for a long the, 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 time. The fame of that. I mean, that that is very okay. powerful and it resonates with me. I've had parental alienation, but it goes to show, and I always knew that it does happen from the other side of the fence as well. And it's not for me to say that in any way, it doesn't matter whether it's the mother or the father, it's still the same, but try, trying to describe the feeling of not being allowed to see your own children is one thing. But as you've just touched on, the associated shame and feeling that everyone's looking, watching, judging you as an unfit parent, it's demoralizing. I feel I felt bereft. 
There's loads of other things I felt, but I want to delve deeper. How did that make you feel? That whole 10 years as well. I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking, not just for you, but also for your children. But then there's the brainwashing element, all that kind of stuff. There's loads, loads to this, isn't there? Yeah, I, I felt, I love the word bereft that you used. I don't love the word, of course, but, I, I, but it, it is accurate. Lost, defeated, in a state of, constant despair, hopelessness, grief. Yes. I cannot get those years back. They're not, they're not coming back. No. And also just the enormity of the uncertainty and fear. What if they never come back? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, after a period of time, the longer it goes on, the harder it becomes. And I I, I didn't I, I didn't give up. This is me personally. But after three or four years with my eldest going around and knocking on his door and he, him actually saying, fuck off, dad, I kind of reached a point where I think I'm better retreating. And I did retreat and eventually got him back. And then when I got him back, I, I was still overcompensating. I, I wanted to make it into this extravaganza. And actually, all I want is is time but it's very difficult as a parent in that situation not to not to mess it up one way or another right it is it is some murky <laughs> and rough waters there's there is so much that is completely uncharted mm. because it's so it was so foreign to me like nobody ever grows up and says oh i want this to happen and then you're in it and you really have no, you don't even have a boat, never mind an oar. Sure, sure. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, I, I learned a lot and I echo so much of what you shared about your process. You know, I felt the need to overcompensate when I would see them and make them laugh and, blah, 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 and back yeah. to the people pleasing. And yeah. I finally did come to a point where. I wouldn't call it retreating for me, mm. but I learned and I I had this kind of phrase that somebody had planted in my head yeah. which a lot, but was painful, which was to allow them the dignity of their own experience. Right. Wow. And I thought, oh, boy. Does that mean that if they don't want me to come to their basketball game, that I should respect that? Because intuitively, I'm like, no, of course, I'm not going to miss it. I would never miss something that mm. you would, that I would be included in. But they yeah. asked me not to come. Right. And so now right. my responsibility is to show them that I'm listening yes. and allow them the dignity of their own experience, See which, that. which takes a lot of putting aside, at my in my case, the shred of ego that I had left. <laughs> Well, it takes guts, it takes courage, but also it demonstrates that that's love of a parent. You're not putting yourself first. You're putting their wishes first. And I think a lot of parents can learn a lot from that kind of approach where a parent thinks they're doing the right thing by by doing these kind of things. And actually, 
you, you could be the best parent in the world, but sometimes your kids get to eighteen and they 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 go away anyway. Is 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 I think I think it's a it's a very very difficult thing. Um, I I almost felt like the child in that situation because I was so kind of confused and sort of suppressed by it. I I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't my personally. I just it was a very difficult time for me. But ten years is a long time. How, how has that sort of evolved and changed now? I, I sense that things are good now, right? Yes, I, I, I think that the in that clarity and in that process of allowing them the dignity of their own experience, what the the couple the the other phrase that really helped me a lot was to really remove my demand. I demand that I you know see you on your birthday. I demand that you yes. know that that I that we that we you know, have this good time because I'm, you know, running this circus yeah. and all of my demands had to be smashed. Yeah, they did. They got That's smashed. That's so true. A lot of parents, they, 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 they portray they're doing it for the children, but actually doing it so they, so they get the, the credibility from the children to make them feel about like a better parent. Right. That soothing that I needed is part of the demand. Yeah. I wanted to be soothed. So I demanded that they soothe me by reminding them, hey, I'm your mom. Don't you know me? I, I, I'm i the one that paid for college. I'm the one that, that birthed you. I'm the one that did yeah. this. And I'm the one that did that. Yeah. And that, and that I discovered only pushed them further and further and further away. Mm. And so understanding that counterintuitive dynamic allowed them to come back. Mm. Now, one of my sons and I are very close and the other son is is still very much in his experience sure. and guess what i love them both the same i love them differently of course but i don't place any judgment yeah on either one of them because they're still in their own process but and that that's been very difficult but it's here but that goes to show how far you've come and how true you are to your values whereby i, I think anything that forced isn't worthwhile and i think that what um, is meant for us will never pass us by. And it's easy to say that, but to have that level of emotional intelligence, but also that, that level of restraint and understanding, it's 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 a very good skill to have. And I don't want anyone, to your point, to be forced to spend time with me. I already went through that process. I learned the hard way. Mm. If anything... In the ideal case, they would feel inspired to want to spend time with me. That yeah. would be the ultimate, the ultimate win for me. Yeah. For them to to actually look forward to that. Mm. To call how, me without solicitation. How how did you navigate your feelings towards your husband or ex-husband at the time, whatever it was, in terms of because there was obviously there's a a feeling of that he contributed to them being distant from you. So. It, not easily. <laughs> <laughs> no. you know, I think that there was a lot, a lot that I pointed a finger and place blame. And, you know, if only this, I mean, he was a, a, a he still is an attorney. Right. So he's very masterful in his, in his orchestration of all of this. Wow. But at a certain point in time, so what, who cares? That's not going to help me or the relationship that I yearn to have with my kids mm. by getting 
invested in that argument, mm. which is part of the reason why when I'm talking to clients or when I'm talking to people that I'm, you know, if they're if they're dissing on their boss or they're, you know, bad mouthing that company, it's like, yeah. listen, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sorry that that's the way it is. And I'm not I don't mean to to not be empathetic because that does suck. Yeah, that's not for you to change. Sure. You, you, this is, this is about what you're going to do with that. Now you have all the information. You've gathered a lot of research. Mm. Now what? It's about action, isn't it? It's about understanding that even if someone's done the most heinous things to you, um, sometimes there's an element of accountability for yourself and you have to look inward, right? You have to look inward. And where, where do you want to put your energy? Moaning and complaining about your situation or accepting it and going, what can I do to change? And it's, it's easier said than done, but it is actually the only way. And I think that what happened, again, I don't know exactly where I was and I don't know exactly what this, the circumstances were. But what I did, that light bulb went back on again and said, enough about you using the I lost my kids as your identifier yeah, and right. always be and go and make yourself the best life you possibly can. Enough already. Yeah, go, yeah. Go and recreate, reinvent yes. what it is that you that is gonna really be yeah. your definition of what an amazing life looks like. Yeah. Um so you're a coach, right? I'm a coach. I always think that whatever you are, whoever you are, you always need other people around you. So have you had people that have guided you and helped you along the way? A hundred percent. And those those relationships, anybody who knows me knows that my relationships are my highest value. That is my highest value. Um, the relationships that I have with friends, with family, with mm. people who I interact with, yeah, um, LinkedIn clients for sure. I love, 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 love the clients that I've had the great opportunity of working with. Yeah, continue to build relationships around. So I would, I could never do this even one day by myself. I'm not that. Mm. I'm not wired for that. And I yeah. need reminders. I needed more reminders back then. But, you know, I, I got yeah. remarried almost two years ago. Oh, right. um, it took me, it's, it was, you know, single divorce for over 20 years. Wow. Okay. That was really the time where I started rebuilding yeah. that self-respect and self-esteem that I, I thought I never had. And how did you do that? Was, was... I got... Go on. No, by the time I got to to this amazing man, yeah, it was not the same paradigm. Who will take me? Sure, it was the complete opposite. Not to be full of myself, but who 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 can I yeah. who can I enjoy, and who is going to enjoy me? How can yeah. we together make a great life for each other? How can I show up as my best self for this person? Yeah who wants to they really yeah. want to yeah. show up the best version of themselves every day for me so did you have therapy and counseling all that kind of stuff as well sure i did sure i did but the easiest formula in that process for me 
was because I was at such a lack of self-respect and self-esteem. Yeah. Was the guideline that said, if you want self-esteem, do esteemable things. Yes. And that kept it really, really concise. Mm -hmm. So what would an esteemable thing be today? Huh. You know, maybe I should reach out to somebody that is having a crappy day. Mm. Mm. Maybe I should also, you know, go for a workout and remind myself that, you know, yeah, that's a good thing. Absolutely. Hey, I'm getting a massage. That's an esteemable thing. An esteemable thing is also, you know, touching base with some of the I'm, I'm, I'm helping my mom through some self, some some healthcare issues right now. Yeah, so it's an esteemable thing for for a daughter without crossing over into the people pleasing world. Sure, I think gratitude as well, right? Huge gratitude, huge gratitude, random acts of kindness, lots of service opportunities. Uh, yeah. You know, esteemable things are eating the right foods, drinking plenty of water. Yeah. Making sure that i'm showing up so that i'm not a jerk <laughs> how, how did you keep yourself together because I, i've been through quite a lot myself um i mean you talked about cancer and um divorce like getting a gas bill or something like that i mean how you cope through that is is beyond me but i mean i i, I became a gambling addict um i've done some drugs in the past i've done you know i've i've uh lost lots of money through spending habits and you know that was bad relationships but come come through that now so any any times like that at all that you've kind of had to get through oh yeah i mean i've i've gone through all kinds of variations of addictions uh you know sometimes it's even been workaholism where work has been work has been the key d- definer of who I am. Yeah. Who would I be without this job? Who would I be if I, if I, you know, mm. been a couple of years ago, who yeah. am I to start a business? I'm not like, you know, Elon Musk or anything. <laughs> so making sure that, that those quote unquote demons are replaced with things that are more esteemable. You know, every time you put some, self-esteem in that in that bank account mm. those achievable actions yeah. they have a compound interest effect absolutely and so it doesn't take a lot but it takes a lot of consistency 100 percent. we're kind of coming towards the end this has been absolutely insightful and um a very exciting conversation and very and a very um touching one for me you, you, you've touched on a lot of subjects that i, I relate to um so let's talk about kind of the last sort of five years of your life, how that's evolved, what what you're doing now again, and where where your life's going to go. Where's your journey going to go now? So, you know, here I am at the ripe old age of fifty eight. Wow! Um, you, honestly, I'm not just saying it. You do look a lot younger than that. Thank you. And um, and I'm very comfortable with my age. I don't care if I look fifty eight. I hope I do. So <laughs> you know, again, I I, I really yeah. I really believe that the last five years for me have probably been the best five years of my life. There's no question about it. 
making unpopular decisions that worked for me, like leaving corporate America to start this business portfolio rocket that I have now mm-hmm. has been just an incredible, incredible, incredible process. I'm so grateful for every day. I literally am. I do. Yeah. I pray. I meditate in the mornings. Uh, I recently did a Spartan race. That was something that was on my agenda. Like, wow. As, as kind of like, okay, let's do something crazy. <laughs> uh, my relationships, not just with my kids, but certainly I didn't have a husband five years ago. So that's been amazing. Yes. And I would say that all the way around, you know, I just feel extremely peaceful. I'm not just, that's not to say that there's not times where I go off the rails and like I'm stressed or anything like that. But by and large, I'd say 70 to 80% of my life, I'm feeling very grounded and peaceful. And that to me is success. I'm not looking necessarily to, uh, you know, be a billionaire. Yeah. I believe that I am responsible for, you know, my own financial security. I'm not looking Mm. for anybody to save me, but Mm. I'm certainly, certainly balanced in terms of the other things that are of much higher value, like health and relationships. If you could go back to time uh, in time and speak to the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old Lauren, mm. and, you, and she had the opportunity to live your life again, what would you say to her? What I would say to her is stop living. Stop living somebody else's life and really get crystal on what it is that's important to you. You're not going to have all the answers right now, but what is important to you right now? Mm. Because the same things that were important to me then are still important to me now, which is art music, books, cooking, great food, being around people that I love and making a difference. Those are the same. Those those are the same tenets that are yeah. important to me now. I just had to refine them. Do, do, do you find yourself? Um, I always I always say that talking to yourself is is the first form of sanity, not insanity. And I, I find sometimes I wear different hats with myself when I'm when I'm going inward. Sometimes I feel as if I have to manage and coach myself. And sometimes I need to parrot myself. And I, and, I, and that might sound strange to some people, but I know you're kind of into that kind of stuff around the kind of the self-understanding piece. Um, any comments on that at all? I do talk to myself. I'm mostly better with writing to myself than I am necessarily having conversations. But... There are times, even when I was, for example, going through my divorce, I had a post-it wall. I literally had a post-it wall with messages to myself. Yeah. And I would read them and I'd be like, you know, say things out loud, like, Lauren, relax. It's all going to be okay. Or I would would need those visual cues Mm. to keep me on track. So- I agree. I agree with that. In my bedroom, I've got like a whiteboard, all my values and affirmations. And I feel that 
most of us, because of the way we've been indoctrinated, educated, managed, parented, we have to unwire ourselves, then rewire ourselves, and then kind of start again. I think you started your life really when you were 35. Yeah, I do too. You know, um, but it feels like you're probably in your prime now in terms of what you know, what you're capable of doing and all that kind of stuff, right? So that's exciting, isn't it? It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And it's, and it's, it's, it's both those things, right? It's both the best thing and sometimes the hardest thing. Yeah. Now my plate is so full with all this good stuff. Yeah. And now it's a different type of challenge. Yeah. All of which I fully embrace and, and, and am grateful for. So in terms of purpose, then, what is your purpose, would you say? And how has that changed? My my purpose in 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 life is really, really, really simple. I mean, it's so simple. It's it's and it's so corny, but I don't <laughs> care. I really don't care because it's really. About. You know, being a messenger of joy. That's it. That's all you need. That is really all you need. Um, absolutely delighted to have you on the show. Where where can most people find you? And what would you like to leave the audience with in terms of anything about the career and the business that you do or starting out in life or overcoming adversity? Anything that you feel that's, you know, you talked about leaving messages for people. Do that sure. now. Sure. So you can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm there almost all the time. You can also check out my website, Mm PortfolioRocket.com. And what I'd like to leave the audience with is that gentle reminder that your feet need to be smarter than your head. So what I mean by that is that it's very easy, even in this conversation, to to get all heady with should I, shouldn't I, you know, whatever that decision-making is and, or those conflicts in life. And I, I really do. It's funny. I, I'll, I'll show these. I, I send a lot of my clients socks. Oh, I love, love those. <laughs> yeah. I love a pair of those off you. <laughs> yes. And so the portfolio rocket socks. And the reason yeah. why I do that is to remind them to stay in action. Oh, I love that. I, I really love that. Carry on. That was amazing. And so it's easy for our head. This is this is the this yeah. is the biggest roadblock right here. Yes. It and is. I can talk myself into anything and I can talk myself out of anything. Yeah, yeah. When I keep moving, not to the point of exhaustion, but when I stay in consistent action. Mm. So stay in consistent action. Don't exhaust yourself. And if you're finding that you're expending so much energy and you don't feel like moving, don't freeze, just slow down. Make a small consistent action. Pick up and make one phone call. Yes. Write, you know, that yeah. last email and be done. But really, I think it's about building actions that are smarter than you're thinking. I think you're right. I mean, standing still is going backwards. It could be the most tiniest thing, like making your bed in the morning or something, as you say. Something like that. And they can build and compound. That's all it is, right? Yes, for sure. 
What an absolute pleasure. We'll have to come back and do a follow-up in a couple of years. I'm really excited about your future. I, th I think you're a great human being. I love your authenticity. And I just want to say thank you. I'm sure the audience has got so much from this. What a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chris O'Donnell. I really, really appreciate you. I love what you bring to LinkedIn. And most importantly, I love the leadership that you stand for. So thank you. Bravo to you. Thank you. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.